And for this February 10th, 2012, I welcome into the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, Heim Goodman-Strauss. Hi, Kyle. Hello, Heim. He is our resident math professor at Ozarks at Large. Uh, we are only about six or seven weeks into 2012, and we're still talking about this number. Yeah, that's right. You know, I just noticed, isn't today, two, what is it? It's 2102012. It's February 10th, 2012. So if you put that in a line, yes, it would be 2102012. Which is a palindrome. We are in a palindrome day. Wow. Too bad the podcast listeners will get that a little late, but that's okay. We had a puzzle last week, but some things to take care of before then? Sure. Well, that. we've been asking what is interesting about the year 2012. And Jeff Yoke, who uh, is a longtime Math Factor correspondent, points out that perhaps 2012 is the least interesting year. Really? Wouldn't that be cool? Actually, based uh, on? Well, I have to say, if it is truly an uninteresting year in history, that would be a real blessing for all of us, wouldn't it? You know, it seem, wouldn't it? It seems like the trouble usually happens right. in the interesting years. <laughs> but that raises an interesting, of course, he's really pointing out a paradox. If it were truly the least interesting year. It'd be interesting be, because it was the least interesting. That's right. So what's the least interesting number, folks? Well, uh, uh, is that, there a least interesting? That's, of course, the paradox, uh, gotcha. right? But here's a couple of others. Uh, that reminds me of a – so uh, self-descriptive adjectives are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like short is a short right. adjective. And, we. Uh, we. W-E-E. <laughs> we. That's a good one. <laughs> Polysyllabic. Is – Multisyllable. Right. But then – the inverse of that. Monosyllabic is not self-descriptive, right? So that's right. pretty cool. Neither is long. Long is not a long adjective. Crunchy is not a crunchy adjective. That doesn't even make sense. Right. It's like one of those bad mad libs. <laughs> Awkwardnessful is a favorite. Awkwardnessful? Is that a real word? Well, I don't know. But Douglas <laughs> Hofstadter, who wrote a lot about this stuff, fantastic author. That was one of his inventions. Hmm. Awkwardnessful. And of oh. course, awkwardnessful is awkwardnessful. Right. It's just tough to say. So here's one non-self-descriptive. Okay. Is that? Oh wait, non-self-descriptive means that it isn't would n- not describe itself. Well, so. but therefore, mm. yeah. Well, look, yeah, okay. right, exactly. Okay, we have a, a puzzle to answer from last week that involved um, three professors mm-hmm. who were chasing a student, mm-hmm. and this student you say is eventually going to be caught. But let's right. set up the graph. The 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 image that we're working with. Well, first of all, I have to add that as is not too uncommon on the math factor, mm-hmm. the bigger puzzle was to figure out figure out what it was that I uh, actually meant to ask. Because uh, the <laughs> <laughs> that's the puzzle within a puzzle, folks. <laughs> so, so let me let's set it up, and then we'll uh, okay. And okay, all right. So you know, the easiest way to understand it, right, is we. You draw a square. So I'm actually drawing a square right at this minute, and I suggest uh, others do the Those same. podcast listeners can, can draw along with us. Okay. And then so draw a square. Draw a square. And now I'm going to connect across from one corner to the other, draw a diagonal, mm-hmm. and then draw the diagonal going from the other pair of corners. And remember that though the diagonals look like they, they intersect. That's right. They don't. You can't right. cross in the middle of right. one diagonal to the other. Right. And in fact, these are the ed- the the edges of a regular tetrahedron, but we don't really need to draw that way. No. Okay. So I, the professors and the student are running around on the edges of this thing. The um, the student can, knows exactly where the professors are coming mm-hmm. from. There's no hidden information. But I said that the professors were faster than the student. That doesn't make any. That's not a puzzle at all. If you have a faster <laughs> hunter, you know, I wondered about that. I mean, oh. it was like, well, eventually you catch the slower. So yeah. what you're saying, I bet, then is the prey, the right. student. 
actually is faster right. than the professors. I'm sorry about that. And but, so how can the professors, even though they're slower, guarantee – Right. One okay. professor – one one predator who's faster than any prey can always right. catch up. So that's right. not very interesting. It's as if you said – Three cheetahs are chasing after a wildebeest. <laughs> well, okay, they'll get there. <laughs> no puzzle there. You know, folks, just uh, take it for granted that <laughs> there's some, gotcha. there is a puzzle. It may just not be the one we okay. asked. So, uh, right. <laughs> so okay, let's say let's say the student is faster and the professors are slower. Right. What's the guarantee then? Well, the trick is that the professors have to kind of trap the student clearly. And there were several suggestions on the uh, website. For example, the professors might sort of start at three of the corners and then work their way to the fourth corner and Mm -hmm. sort of stuff like that. But there's all kinds of other ways that the student can slip around them if you really look at that closely. But here's one way that guarantees that the student will be caught. One of the professors runs around the outside edges of the square. Mm -hmm. And then the two other professors go back and forth on our diagonals. And they time it so that when the first professor reaches one of the corners, they also reach that same corner. Now, if the professor – if the student happened to be sort of uh, on – in that area on the same side, then it would, they would corral the student in, right, and trap. So that's it. So really one of the professors runs around the outside. The other two keep going back, bopping back and forth. Gotcha. And it's easy to see. If the student right. stays on the outside, he'll eventually get caught. If he's on one of the diagonals, he'll eventually get caught. And if he and if he goes from the outside up onto one of the diagonals or vice versa, it'll just waste some time. So right. that's all. So eventually, eventually, you'll catch up with the Pretty student. Cool. Very cool. Hey, guess what? I have a puzzle. You do? I do. Wow, Kyle! Eight years on the air, and I'm I, yes. Tables are turned. Okay, lay it on me. And this is a tr- this is is not a hypothetical puzzle. Oh no, this is. Lives a, are at stake. No, no, okay. no, no. This is uh, something that really happened. Okay, it involves baseball. But you don't have to know anything about baseball or statistics or even the rules. Okay. All right? Are we answering it today or we're going to leave it as a puzzle? I think we'll let mine. Same yeah. routine. Okay. Okay. So. So I don't have to know. <laughs> no. No. You can think, think about, about it. This. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And I'm going to give you four or five facts. Okay. And you will have all the information you need to know. Okay. To come up with the answer. All right. I've got okay. a pencil. Just. From 1968 to 1976, there was a... An outfielder in Major League Baseball named Carlos May. Mm-hmm. His second year in the Major Leagues, he asked for uniform number 17 and received it. Okay. And thus, he became the only Major League Baseball player in history to have accomplished something. That's all you need to know. Really? Yep. No. Wait, he was an outfielder. Uh-huh. I should tell you he played for Chicago. So let I, me put I that I need in. to know that or they're just it's a messing with me? I'm okay. going to give you let's, – let's say there are five facts. Okay. Carlos May played for eight years. He was an outfielder. Most uh, of the time he played um, for the Chicago White Sox. Uh-huh. And he asked for uniform number 17 his second year and received it. Oh. There you go. Now I know how you feel. I have no <laughs> idea what And you don't have to know about. anything. It's not, it has nothing to do with the most of this or the fastest that. Everything is right there. You got me stumped. Okay. Well, we'll answer that. Now, you've got a puzzle this week, too. I do. Well, Two I... puzzles for one show. Wow. You know, I thought we'd revisit some old goodies, but, I mean, oldies, but very good puzzles. So um, I'm sure we did these on the radio before the podcast started, but that right. was even then, several no, years, eight years ago. Yes. And this is actually the first puzzle 
that Mar- our great hero Martin Gardner uh, ever published in, I mean, in Scientific American. In case someone doesn't know who Martin Gardner was, he is seen as the grandfather of published mathematical puzzles. Oh, yeah. Well, of the modern age. Of the modern age, right. I mean, throwing out Copernicus or Newton or people well, like that. Well, uh, there's Sam Lloyd from about 100-odd years ago. Well, I'm right. saying in the post-Lloyd right. period. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so he one of his, his very first column of mathematical games, which ended up running for a quarter century in Scientific American. Mm-hmm. Had, very popular. Very column. popular. Had nine puzzles, and I think I'll read the first of the nine. So Let's this do technically that. So this first. is technically the first Martin Gardner puzzle that was ever published in Scientific American. That's right. Well, so, um, you know, you've probably heard the puzzle about an explorer walks one mile, one mile south. Mm-hmm. Uh, he turns and walks one mile east and then one mile north. He's on exactly the spot where he started somehow. Shoots a bear, what color is the bear? So there's some spot on the earth that you can walk one mile south, one mile east, one mile north, and end up exactly where you started. And so where's that? And then he shoots a bear there just to kind of, and what color is the bear? So really, if you know where he is, then you can. Do you want me to answer this now? Sure, yeah. I'm assuming the bear is white. It is. Because he's at the, the top of the world That's there. exactly right. right. So, you so it's a polar bear that he a polar shot. Bear. Right. So you come down from the North Pole. Which is illegal, by the way. Okay, but here's the thing. There's actually not only – there's actually another spot on the Earth you can do that. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's infinitely many other spots that work. So the question is, where can you walk one mile south, mm-hmm. then one mile east, east then one mile north, north and you're back where you started? Right, and there may or may not be bears involved. Okay, but where can you do that? Right. All right, so people ha- can think about that. And about Carlos May? Yeah, all of it. All right. MathFactor at york.edu, mathfactor.york.edu, and see you later. Thanks, Heim. Thank you.